Welcome to Hummingbird, conversations about creativity, arts, literature, and life with Catherine Graham and Jessica Outram. Hi, I'm Jessica, and I'm coming to you today from Coburg, Ontario. We respectfully acknowledge that the land on which we gather and learn daily is the treaty and traditional territory of the Michisaugig Anishinaabeg. We are grateful for our relationship with the First Nations of this territory, for their care for and teachings about the land, the water, and all our relations. As people of the Williams Treaty, we continue our journey to strengthen our understanding of our treaty relationship and of how to move forward together in a good way. There are many books on my shelves and sometimes they um, are double stacked and they're hiding in various places and I forget what I have. I've been interested in birds for years and really was starting to write a lot of bird poems when I was working on a celery forest and even previous to that some poems came out in Her Red Hair Rises with the wings of insects that was connected to birds and I was looking at a particular anthology and then I pulled it out and then I saw this other book. Lo and behold, it had a title of someone who I know has a book coming out with this very title. And the title is The Thing with Feathers, which... Uh, <laughs> That's which me, your... if you don't know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So Jessica's book, her first poetry book is coming out and uh, it is titled The Thing with Feathers. And for listeners too, have, who have been joining us each week, you'll know that we spoke about Emily Dickinson's poem, Hope is the Thing with Feathers. And then also now this book, it's by Noah Stryker. And it has a subtitle. It's The Thing with Feathers, The Surprising Lives of Birds and What They Reveal About Being Human. And uh, and there is a chapter on hummingbirds in it as well, too. So all things synchronicity are present with us. Oh, yes. my goodness. And, you know, and then we can't help but reflect on that idea of when you, you've got a book coming out or a book that's come out, and then you find one by the same title and how that, that feels. And my first question to Catherine when she mentioned it to me, and she held it up to me because we were at a video visit, and I said, is it a poetry book? <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, it gave me great peace of mind to know that this was a book about birds and I feel an honor to share the company and to share a title with a book about birds but I think if it were a book of poetry I don't know I think I'd have to sleep on that and think about okay how do I feel about that there'd just be a can we share the same space? And I bet we could, but there's an awkwardness there, isn't there? Yeah, because I think too, our books are such personal things to us and to have the title that's such an important part of the book and there's the personal aspect of the title and sometimes titles come easily and sometimes they uh we struggle with finding the right title but either way then it's that that sort of how it captures so much of what a book is and and interesting too how something can work in other ways for another author so and then I guess too there's the letting go of a book and then there's the letting go of the ownership of even the fact that what we have as a title may work for other books as well too. I know that's happened to me when Corey, my novel came out, there were other books with that same title. So I understand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Now, last week, we had a really wonderful discussion. Feathers came up a few times. Yes. And I wanted to share with you a story that I, I hadn't shared with you before. So back in 2018, I was so delighted you were teaching a class through the Halliburton School of the Arts. And I rented my own little cabin in the woods for a week in, ha- in the Halliburton area. And I went and took your class to learn. Also, I really just wanted to visit with you every day. <laughs> that was that was part of my motivation too. It was all of the things. And that idea of writing in a cabin in the woods when you're on your own, there's just something romantic about that. And it was everything I had hoped it would be. It was a wonderful, wonderful week. And the class was fantastic. I wrote, there's a poem that I wrote in that class that's in my book. The one about the, the girl in the canoe. I don't know if you remember that far back, but it was oh, uh, yeah. an exercise that you led with us. Wallace Stevens and 12. Oh, uh, the 13 ways of seeing a blackbird. Yeah. 13 ways. Yes. And that, yes, it was taken and inspired from that. And I think I only go through five parts, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's about a girl reading in a canoe. As I left that class and I'm walking out to the car and, you know, I don't know what about you, but when I go away on writing retreats or to take classes like that, and I'm absorbed in the creativity for a week and I'm away from home, there's something that shifts inside of you, something that changes within you just for that short time that you want to hold on to and to bring home with you because you you get to a place of clarity where you know what the work is that you're you're working on you know what it is that you want to say or you're open to the possibilities of what could happen next i took a picture as i left your class of a feather that I found in the parking lot right next to my car. I didn't take the feather, but I I always, I never do that. I seem to want to leave them where they are, but I often take pictures of them. And the note that I wrote, because I I keep a little digital scrapbook using Google Keep. I quite like to do that. And the little note that I wrote next to this picture is, as I walked out of my writing class and reflected on what happens next, I saw this feather at my feet, this symbol of voice, action, and power possibilities and I just wanted to share that yeah it just feels like here we are today that feather maybe it knew back in 2018 (laughs) (laughs) well listen to the list there voice action power possibilities and we had spoken too about where we would start with this particular episode and all this synchronicity has now come to the forefront even before we start because we had talked about starting with the poem by Emily Dickinson that starts with the line I dwell in possibility so already possibility was speaking to us through synchronicity through feather and also through your reminder of what you had captured in your sighting of the feather after the the last class at Halliburton Mm -hmm. and then just the ways that we can be connected when we're writing and creating and learning and teaching there's an energy there that's hard to explain except for by these stories and then it's amazing how they still hold weight and meaning years later well and also their meaning is really part of the time that is required for us to see them in a way that the meaning comes through. That's almost like sometimes they're they're portals not into the past, but they're portals into the future that hasn't happened yet. Just from what you've described there as well too, with the feather and the words and how that then is also connected to your title of your book, The Thing with Feathers. For listeners, if they were listening to the episode from last week, I was speaking about my sightings of feathers and how they connected to to me and my mother who died of breast cancer and how those feathers became a sign of her and her presence 
um, mm-hmm. not necessarily in the physical realm, but in the, the memory realm and in, in the realm of visions and in the sense of her presence being manifested in other ways and how she appeared to me after my two operations and, and the way that she appeared was through the visceral experience of her her energy, not necessarily seeing her, but feeling her. It's hard to put that into words, but it's really a a feeling that I had never had before. And it happened twice. Not that I want to go through another operation. Not to say that uh, that that I don't know if worth it is is the, the expression there, but I'm grateful for that experience of having that happen there to have that connection. And if it hadn't happened, I don't know. I'm still trying to explain it, I suppose. But what I'm just saying there is how these these encounters that we can have have their own time frame as well, too. And I find that when you have an experience like that during a particularly intense moment, which that would be, then it somehow it you know our our senses are heightened. We're, we're more caught by it somehow. And then when we're busy throughout our everyday and those same signs and signals appear, we get reconnected back to that special moment that we had. And so I don't know if you found that that happens for you, but I've had that happen for me a few times where a sign or a signal has come during a moment that was particularly intense. And then later on, it's returned I have that same mental understanding without, I don't have that emotional knowing of it at the moment, right? But that's mm-hmm. that, that mental like knowing, of, it's, it's hard to put into words, I guess, too, right? It but, is hard to put into yeah. words. But I think yeah. that's also in that way that it there there is that struggle to put it into words. It's often that sort of force that creates the poem or the, the way that we want to try and work with a poem with that kind of way that we've had some kind of encounter that we know mm-hmm. is more than just a happening. There, there's there's surfaces to it. There's mm-hmm. there's energy. There's possibility, right? Possibility. I have a question for you that I've been meaning to ask for a couple of weeks and then mm-hmm. I get so caught up in things I forget to come back to it you've used the word portals a number of times and I just love that and it's not something that I I thought about often even though I haven't used the word the idea of it is something that I'm very strongly connected to but I I wondered if maybe we just before we get into I dwell in possibility because I I think that it's also going to connect to this idea of portal I wondered if maybe we just took a moment and just unpacked that idea of a portal and its relationship to our work and all the things yeah yeah (laughs) happy to do that and and uh Listeners will know too. It, it we're, we seem to be caught up on p words, possibility, yep. portals, poems. <laughs> so to me, it, it it's sort of a, a space between two possibilities, and almost like a, a threshold or a way of moving from one space to another. And how they can become sort of, in some ways, signs, like the feather to me is a portal to my mother and the experience of my mother. And other portals can be something that we haven't yet discovered yet, but we know there's something there. And in that way, too, I feel it can be the entryway into a poem that hasn't been written yet. I know that for me, when I spoke about the glossa and pulling Dorothy Malloy, the Irish poet off the shelf and using some of her words, her words became a portal to the poems that eventually became her red hair rises with the wings of insects. I'm using it in such a way as as a place uh, of beginning to explore something that hasn't quite happened yet and can sometimes be more of a feeling or sometimes a symbol 
or sometimes a word. And there's just different ways, as we know, that we can enter into poetry and also all art forms, I'm sure, but we're speaking about poetry lately. And so that idea of it being almost like a a space to move into. That, that's kind of how I see it. Jessica, does that uh, make sense? Well, absolutely. I love that. And I was writing notes as you spoke because I was caught up in it. And I, you know, first I wrote down that, you know, portals is the space between two possibilities. And I hadn't considered that before. I leaned more toward the understanding of it as that journey into that journey through the door or the window or literally a portal to another place where things are different than where we started. And I love that idea of that space between. And and I hadn't considered it yet as exploring something that hasn't quite happened yet. Although maybe I have, and I just haven't realized that's what I was doing. Uh, There was a poem last winter I, I got caught up in writing. I called them my grandmother poems. One in particular I was looking at telling the story of a great times something I can't recall right now. I was doing all this family history research. Grandmother who came to visit me through the steam and the kettle and ended up staying with me for a couple of weeks and I wrote a poem about it (laughs) before she decided to leave back through the steam and the kettle on another day to visit a granddaughter somewhere else. As you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking that's something that hasn't quite happened yet, but it also is that journey into a time and space where that's possible, where you could meet the people you never had a chance to meet. Yeah, and which, of course, is where the imagination can take us and how the imagination is its own place and how powerful that place is and how the steam can be a portal to the grandmother and the grandmother can be part of the steam and all of these things kind of mixed together. That's I, that's I love that. I love the sort of magical quality and also thinking about the transformation of water from a liquid to, to a gas and how mm-hmm. that in itself is quite amazing when the state of something can change based on heat in this case Mm -hmm. and how that becomes a new thing but is still the same as well Mm -hmm. made up of the the same elements so just as the ideas in a poem can kind of work together to create more possibility within the poem that we might not even be aware of which when I think of Emily Dickinson's poem which maybe I should read now yes I think that's a perfect time I was just thinking that so listeners may know too she didn't title her poem so often what happens is her first line is the title of a poem so I will read it that way and then I will move into the poem. I dwell in possibility. I dwell in possibility, a fairer house than prose, more numerous of windows, superior for doors, of chambers as the cedars, impregnable of eye, and for an everlasting roof, the gambrels of the sky, of visitors, the fairest, for occupation, this the spreading wide my narrow hands to gather paradise. I just love Emily Dickinson. You know, her poetry has so much in such small spaces. And recently you spoke about poetry as a vessel. And I feel that she does that so beautifully. She, she does. And she has such a, well, there's the beautiful magic to it, of the, the music. There's the, the way that, she leaps from one idea to the other, but yet there's this train of connection. And then the the way to that, we have this sort of sense of uh, things rubbing off one another. When I think about how the poem ends, and I'll just repeat it here, this, the spreading wide my narrow hands to gather paradise, 
And that word narrow, I mean, we think about narrow, something's narrowing in and hands and then paradise, which is connecting to me to to the sky, to the vastness of things. So you've got that contrast between trying to cup almost the impossible, but yet that can be possible, if that makes sense too. Mm -hmm. So uh, that possibility is, is embedded in that image. And the fact that the spreading of the narrow hands allows the narrowness to expand. So mm -hmm. this totally opening up that happens at the, at the end of the poem, well, it gives me shivers. <laughs> I agree. And I always find too, with her work, and I don't know if this is the right word, but it feels like she's got, like, there's a mystical quality. There's an otherworldness to it, just that gently touches its way through. Like, I wonder who the visitors are that she's referring to. Even, even the idea of chambers as the cedars. There's something about that that connects to spirit in some way for me when I'm reading. Oh, I agree. I yeah. think that that's beautifully put there as well, too, Jessica, about the way that there's just more than just the, the natural world and the words on the page. There's another quality to her work and to this poem in particular. And I love the dashes as well, too. Mm -hmm. They're like little musical notes and, and they're, to me, they are. And, and the way that they hold the pauses, but the pauses are charged at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just wonderful also. So we'll post this poem on the Hummingbird podcast page if you're following us on Instagram. But of course, listeners can also Google it. It's a very widely available poem and worth looking at as well visually, as well as, of course, listening to it too. Yeah. So, but there's that word possibility. possibility and the fact that the speaker I wants to dwell in it. Mm -hmm. um, something so wonderful about possibility. And in some ways, I think of beginnings as possibility. There's so much that can happen and there's so much sort of energy that can unfold in that way too, that that happening can lead to other things, but that way that the dwelling of it allows for almost all the possibilities to exist at once. So you're yes. sort of taking the strangeness of time and its linear way and putting it all together in that moment and in that word possibility. So it's so packed. And of course, I know it also comes up in your poem. And I wondered if you'd like to share that poem. Sure. Uh, it's titled yeah. when she found her voice and listeners can listen for the word possibility in it. <laughs> okay. So I think I'll, I feel like with this poem, it tells the story. So I'll, I'll share the poem and then we can chat about mm -hmm. it after. When she found her voice, it had a glow in the Weitung Ojibwe Center as it called to her, this smudge feather, made from wild turkey, pheasant, deer skin wrapped around a rose quartz handle, standing in a wooden vase. And when she held it for the first time, she cried. At home, sage and sweet grass burned in the abalone shell her aunt gifted her years ago. She gently waved smoke to dissolve doubt and worry. This smudge feather offered her the possibility to speak aloud words long buried, a new way to be in her truth. She understood and accepted the gift. Thanks for reading that poem. This is an experience that I had. Sometimes poems do not reflect experiences that are more imaginative, but this, this is one that actually happened a number of years ago. Every year, at least two to three times a year, I go often with my cousin, but sometimes alone to the Waitung Ojibwe Center, and that's a beautiful gallery at Curve Lake First Nation. I highly recommend everybody to take a day and go there. It's just one of my favorite places. This particular trip, there was this smudge feather that was standing in a base, and it's quite tall. It's quite quite a large, elaborate 
fancy smudge feather. I don't know, there was something about it. It called to me from across the room. I just had this moment where I saw it and I held it and it seemed to be the beginning of a lot of change in my life that I didn't know was happening. And it felt that it was almost like, you know, and I don't want to, to, to downplay the cultural significance of this in any way, but felt like a Harry Potter wand moment to me where this, this feather had chosen me like Harry Potter's wand chose him and that now Mm. it was a symbol of responsibility it's become something that I use when I meditate to to sit with and and just to listen and to wait think about what it is that I I need to do next so that I can live my life more mindfully and with more intention it's it's such a wonder to be able to write and sing and to do all the things that I love to do so I want to use those gifts well you know and being able to to sit with this feather was really a big deal for me and I I wanted to capture it in a poem well and interesting too when we spoke earlier about portals and what portals are to me this feather is a portal for you and also this poem is a portal for the speaker as well too so there's that sort of sense of moving to as you say the beginning of the change in your life and how the awareness came through your experience and how touch needed to be part of the experience as well too it wasn't just seeing the feather there was the glow and the experience of, of wanting to get closer to that glow but the touch seemed to be the transformation point as well, too. And that real physical connection that you describe in the poem. Interesting, too, for the listeners who are interested in writing and they described how this came from an experience. And yet we know from the poem, it's written in third person, not first person, not I. And so it's interesting that the she is the, the speaker in the poem or the presence in the poem of how the, the smudge feather appears. And I wondered if you could talk about that. Was that just something that was a natural sort of way of working with the material for you? Or did you consciously decide it would be third person, a she or anything to say about that? I decided to use third person and she throughout much of my poetry book and through many of my poems. I wanted to create a narrative that some of the poems certainly were from my experience, but some of them were part of a larger story that just came to being. And this poem is in my upcoming poetry book. What I'm hoping that it will do for the reader, I guess we'll see. I don't know. I the, the thinking was that it would open up a way for the reader to create a relationship and not necessarily picture me while they were reading every poem, but to see this she and to create this character for themselves through their own lived experience by by reading it as a she. That makes so much sense and interesting too to realize as well that choices that writers make sometimes they come unconsciously and other times just the conscious decision about what best serves the story and what best serves the the sort of experience for the reader within the story as well too so thanks so much for sharing that as well too and um and and when we get to the the ending of the poem we get to that word possibility and i'll just repeat here about the smudge feather offered her the possibility to speak aloud words long buried a new way to be in her truth she understood and accepted the gift and there we have too the complexity of not only the gift of of the feather but the gift of what the feather is offering Mm -hmm. and uh, anything to say about that word possibility and your thoughts on that now if i had to distill this poem down to one word it would be possibility because that's that's really what all of this is describing that moment where you're having an ordinary experience in a shop for example and then something happens 
and the energy shifts inside of you and around you and the possibility arrives and holds like grabs hold of you. Emily Dickinson says, you know, she dwells in possibility. By the time I I got home with the feather, I was dwelling in possibility, but it had to reach out and grab me and mm-hmm. and catch my attention in this way. So it offered possibility. It really it really caught my attention. Well, and as it's as the poem says, a new way to be in her truth. And not only through the spoken word, but I'm imagining the speaker being aware in certain levels that are nonverbal as well, too. And how this gift is more than just an acceptance of something, but an understanding duty, possibly as well, too. There's something going on here that requires more than just the acceptance of a gift, but something that comes with that gift and the responsibility as well. And seeing the whole the whole picture and in this, you know, the poem was written well after the experience and so sometimes poems do that too. They hold the lessons we learned over a number of years and we can travel in and out of time in poems. And so in the moment where I met the feather and held the feather or the speaker, but we'll just use me for now, you know, it had that feeling of possibility. Something big was going to change. I just had to say yes. And I I stood there, I carried it around the, the shop for a long time. It took me about half an hour. I could feel the weight of it too. Possibility isn't always light. There's a weight to And I didn't know where it was going to lead. I didn't know what to expect. The learning that came later was part of the journey that I feel saying yes to accepting the feather. It really felt to me that it led me down this journey to a place where I could hear the things that I hadn't heard in decades for the first time within myself. I could see things that I couldn't see before. And I could also see a way to step into my work as a, as a writer and as an artist and who I was as that. I think I've been writing a really long time as you, you know, we've, we've been crossing paths at different writing things, but I don't know until around this time, I didn't know who I was writing for or what I was writing. I was just writing a lot. All of a sudden, by saying yes to the possibility and stepping into the portal, even though I didn't know where it was going to take me, that clarity changes along the way somewhere, but it always starts with that first, yes, I'm going to step through it. Yes, I'm going to do this. You have to make that conscious choice. The delightful surprises along the way have been getting to see everything that I need to be able to see in order to claim my voice and to know who I was as a writer. And and that doesn't mean if you had asked me 15 years ago, who are you as a writer, I would have given you a really good answer. I knew how to answer the questions. I'm now understanding the difference between knowing the right answers and feeling them resonate through your entire body. Yes, yes. Yeah, with that word possibility, one of the definitions from the dictionary is something you can choose to do in a particular situation. And this really comes through to me with your your sense of choosing and choice and the decision making that came with the possibility. So there's that sense of dwelling in in all of the things that possibility can do and bring that chance that something may happen or be true. But then there's the choice too of something you can do. And so even in possibility, there's possibility, right? right? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, and I and I chose this poem initially when we were talking a few episodes back. We were talking about how the subject matter chooses us. And this was an example for me of, you know, poetry is life and life is poetry. And the feather chose me and so did the poem. And so I felt that it, it kind of connects to that conversation we started a while back that we we continue down that, that path. <laughs> Yeah. And, and as you know, I mean, those feathers will keep appearing and the, and whether they're on the sidewalk or at Halliburton in the parking lot or in the gift shop, they will keep saying, look at me and do something, right? Right. And that, that seems to be, you know, for me, when they appear, it's, it's a call to action. That's always for me, the feathers are, are a call to, or a cause to pause, but it's always around action. Yes. It's either a call to pause or a call to action. And you know, your, your story last week about the feathers being connected to your mom is a very different way of connecting to feathers. So it's interesting how one image, one symbol, signal, portal can bring people to so many different places and connections. And that's what it really is about connections as well. One of the many beautiful things about poetry, how it can connect us to ourselves mm -hmm. and to things that we didn't even know were within ourselves. And there's more there to, to discover as we continue our journey here together. But thank you so much for sharing all your poem, Jessica, and all your thoughts along possibility as we explore possibility today. Well, thank you. It's been an absolute delight. I can't believe we're out of time and we'll continue the conversation <laughs> next week. We will. Until then. And so we finish our chat with Just Another Day by the talented Shannon Linton. <laughs>